We serve a great God today, and I'm thankful the Lord has allowed us to be able to just to grow in Him and to be able to dedicate our lives to something greater than we ever imagined. In the book of Daniel, we find exactly that, and I invite you to turn to the book of Daniel. We began last week this great study and about having an unshakable faith. And in the life of Daniel, we see that no matter the circumstances, his faith seemed unmovable. And I'm thankful that we can just be able to grow and to glean through this. And, and as we see in chapter 1 today, we're going to attempt to cover the entire chapter. And as we do, we're going to see Daniel's faith, that, that he was completely and totally dedicated to his Lord and Savior that though there were winds of change, that though there were different difficulties that had arisen, he knew who his God was and he knew who he served. And so today as we begin there, let me just ask those, those who are our public school teachers or private school teachers that are going to be starting this week, would you slip a hand up real quick? Amen. I've got several. I had several in the congregation here today. I want to stop, and, and as we begin, uh, I just want to pray for our teachers and our students as they begin this week. And so let's pray for our schools as they, as they try to kick off this week. Father, we want to thank you for um, these great teachers that you've given us, some that have given their lives, and Lord, they've truly dedicated everything, not just to you, but to, to teaching. And so I just pray that you would uh, help them, Lord. I know they need extra strength and uh, flexibility. They need extra courage, Lord, at times. And I pray that you would give them wisdom and that you, you might allow these teachers to be led by you. Lord, we thank you for uh, good godly teachers. And Lord, we pray for their students as they come back that, Lord, uh, we would see you just watch over and you would protect uh, not just from sickness, but God, you would protect spirits and attitude, Lord, uh, and that God, you would allow them to be able to move forward this school year. Thank you for uh, their influence, and I pray that you would help us to continue to, as, as Christians to be involved to encourage uh, these young children in the Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Daniel, uh, we're just in, I'm just encouraged by the life of Daniel. Uh, the first six chapters of Daniel uh, gives us a glimpse into some of the most incredible history of Israel. And we're going to see uh, this time of, of this first six chapters really... It's a look into the, the history of Israel in exile. So they had been removed from their country, and that's where we're at. And we saw that last week was we kind of began to build up into the book of Daniel. And we're going to see where Daniel was in the land of Babylon. He was no longer in his homeland, but here at, among people, uh, foreign people, foreign nation. And we see God do a tremendous work in his life. From May to September 1787, the American Constitutional Convention met in Philadelphia to develop a system of government for this brand new nation. By June 28th, it was apparent that progress had not only been slow, at times it had even been halted. And so Benjamin Franklin stood and addressed Washington, the president of the convention, and he said, among other things, he said, I've lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. It then moved that they invite some of the local clergy to come to the assembly and lead them in a uh, prayer for divine guidance. Unfortunately, the motion was, uh, was not passed because the convention had no money or budget to pay these clergymen to come in and, and to pray. But we see that although Franklin wasn't necessarily a believer in, in Christ, what we see was he's a believer in God. And, and he was an architect of the Constitution, and, the, and, and we see that as, as he was there in these beginning stages, that he recognized that they needed the Lord's help and in intervention. Uh, we see that 
he grew in his desire for God to be alive and at work even in this. And I think about the Old Testament and how that God used uh, and revealed himself to other men in the past. I think about Abraham and he said that God was the judge of all the earth in Genesis 18.25. Or King Hezekiah who prayed, Thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Or in Daniel's day, even King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a, a pagan king, learned that the hard way, and he says, and I quote, the Most High is so sovereign over the kingdoms of men. You see, the book of Daniel is able to stand as a monument for us today of not only the outstanding personality of Daniel, but to who God is. And, and though he stood and he ministered in the time of the ancient, uh, ancient courts in the, in the land of Babylon, we see that his faith... Uh, and his obedience to the Lord was a brilliant testimony in this period of time. And it's at this time we pick up in Daniel chapter number 1, because in Daniel chapter 1 we're reading and seeing God doing tremendous work in and through the life of Daniel, but it, this is the very beginning of what God is planning to do later. And I'm thankful that God doesn't dump everything on us all at once, but He says, listen, I'm going to give you a little piece at a time. And that's what we see here in Daniel chapter 1. Let's read this in its entirety together this morning. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes." children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, and uh, cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king." Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had wrought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to uh, Melzar, who was a prince of the eunuchs, who had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink, and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and understanding, and all learning and wisdom, and in all visions and dreams... 
And now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, the prince of the eunuchs brought them into, in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them. Among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all manners of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. So let's pray, ask the Lord to bless our message this morning. So Father, thank you. We do come before you and we ask you to bless the message. Lord, bless the word of God. Lord, we thank you for your promise that it will not return void, but it will go forth and do that which you intend. And so, Father, we just pray that you would open ears and remove hindrances and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to go forth in people's lives this morning. That, God, that the broken might be healed, that, Lord, the downtrodden might be lifted up, and that, God, we might be encouraged by you. And those who are, Lord, wondering and lost, and, Lord, I pray that even now that they would turn to Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at the life of Daniel, I'm thankful for uh, just, just this great introduction that God gives us. And obviously we see that, that, uh, that Daniel has been given a great opportunity to uh, not only share history, but also prophecies with us. And, and God has laid out for us a, a beautiful book of the Word of God. And, but in this, we see that in this very beginning chapter that Daniel was dedicated to his God. He said, Lord, I love you above everything else, even above food. Now that's a pretty tough thing to do, Amen. Uh, but as we see this, we see that, that Daniel is saying, God, my dedication to you is, is usurps everything else. And we see this, that he made this decision in the midst of change. Listen, we're going to face change. In lives, in ministry, in, in, in our nation, in, in everything, there's going to be changes that come. And, and for decades, the prophets had been warning the rulers of Judah that their idolatry, their immorality, even their injustice toward people and the needy would lead to the nation's ruin. And so prophets saw that the coming day of the Lord uh, uh, was, was uh, coming and that God would bring Babylon uh, to come and destroy Jerusalem and they prophesied about it. As a matter of fact, let me just point out some of the prophets that talked about this. A century or a hundred years before the fall of Jerusalem, the prophet is, uh, Isaiah had proclaimed the message that uh, Babylon would come and destroy uh, Jerusalem. You can read about it in Isaiah chapter 13, 21, and 39. And then there is the prophet Micah, who, pro, who was the, his contemporary and also shared this same burden. We see that in Micah chapter 4. But then there was a prophet Habakkuk, who couldn't understand how Jehovah could use the godless Babylonians to chasten his own people. He expressed this in Habakkuk 1. But then there was Jeremiah. Jeremiah lived to see these prophecies fulfilled and some of his own prophecies fulfilled in Jeremiah chapter 20, 25, and 27. So it wasn't like Daniel was the, was, uh, and the people of Israel were clueless as to what was happening. They knew that major change was coming, and God warned them and said, listen, it's time to, to get your life right. And you know, I'm thankful that God gives us a heads up. And in the book of Daniel, we find that God gives us prophecies and warnings that there will be a time of wrath and, and judgment upon this earth like we've never seen before. And Revelation deals with this as well. But as we look at the fall of Jerusalem, we might think, man, it seems like the pagan gods triumphed over the one true God of Israel. And I'm sure in that day, maybe some of the people of Israel were downtrodden and they felt uh, just despair because of all the loss that they had felt at the, as a result of, uh, of, of Jerusalem's fall. But I'm just thinking, thankful that 
that God has never failed His people. And I'm thankful that even though from a human's perspective it may seem as though He had failed or maybe the, this idolatrous people had, had, uh, had uh, won the day, let me just remind you that God never fails. And all of this culminated during Daniel's life. At the very beginning of his life, he, we, uh, I just remind you, he saw uh, the uh, King Josiah, and King Josiah brought in some great changes, and he wanted to bring Israel back into love with their Lord. And so he was able to reinstitute temple, uh, the worship and temple of, of the Lord. He was able to begin to remove some of the heresies that had grown in the countryside and in the cities. And he was able to really to invest. And so King Josiah was a great king. And he was, and, and we see Daniel was born during his reign. And he grew up at, with him as his king. But when Josiah chased after uh, the king of Egypt and was killed in Medigo, we see that God began to work out his prophecies. And God began to work out some, some great things. And all of this was played out directly before the life and the eyes of Daniel. And Daniel saw uh, the fall of Josiah, and Daniel saw the fall of Jerusalem three times in his lifetime. He saw the children of Israel taken into captivity. But then on the other side, let me just remind you, he saw them uh, released from captivity and able to go back into their homeland. And so Daniel saw all of these things, and Daniel was, was, uh, just, was just thankful for that. And I just want to point out in verses 1 and 2 that, that uh, the kind of that time frame, it was the time of the, uh, Jehoiakim's reign, and, and Jehoiakim was the uh, second king to reign after, uh, after, the, after the king Josiah. But we see that he went through some great changes as a result of all of this. There was a change of culture. Remember, he went from sitting on the lap of mom and dad or maybe in the Jewish uh, temple and learning and growing according to the, the law, and then he was ushered from there into, uh, into Babylon, Babylon. And it was here in Babylon he learned and, and, and about astrology and other things, but he was taken and he faced much different, much different changes. The culture was different. The people were different. The land was different. Verse number 3, it says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, a master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel. He wanted certain, when this was a people of royal blood, is what he described, people that knew how to handle themselves in court, people who uh, were intelligent, they were bright, they could learn, they were people that he could use in his realm. And let me just say that the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was a smart man. He wanted people that he could use to help him conquer other lands. He wanted intelligent people. And so there was a change in culture. There was a change in education. Very quickly, I just mentioned that, that they sought for nobility. They sought for those of good education that had been trained. And so they found Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And we see these uh, children of, of, uh, of, of Israel who were brought in, and they were educated, and they were intelligent, and they, because uh, King Nebuchadnezzar knew that they wanted counselors and administrators, and high officials. And so as he, he went through this, we see that uh, they brought him from that place into Babylon. Now, wisdom is a rare commodity today. And the king was willing to pay a high price to gather all the wisdom of the land into him. And so when he conquered a land, he would bring the wisest of the, that land into his kingdom and would educate him according to, the, uh, the, uh, to all that they had learned. Verse 4 says, Children, in whom is no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, 
and whom they might teach the learning and tongue of Chaldeans. Now, the Chaldeans were intelligent people. They were known for their intelligence and their wisdom. But not only that, they were known for uh, uh, studying of astronomy. They were known for uh, the sciences, and they developed many great things and advances in Babylon uh, that uh, became really some, some foundational truths later that science was able to build on. And so he wanted to bring them in and say, listen, we're going to teach you all of this stuff. Now, the, the difference was, as before as he was learning at the feet of his, his Jewish leaders, and he was, he was learning at the feet of his mom and dad, it was a God-centered education. It said, God is the creator of all things. God is the one that brought us into this world, and God is the one that we can trust. And, and God was the center of that education. But when he went to Babylon, they were a, a nation of many gods. They were polytheistic meaning meaning worship of many gods. And as such, they obviously they uh, had multiple idols and different shrines and different palaces, places where they could worship. But as they brought them in, ultimately, those gods didn't matter because ultimately they worshiped the knowledge of man. And they were uh, what we would call today humanism in their teaching. There was a massive shift for Daniel and his friends. Now bear in mind, Daniel was 15 approximately. At 15 years old, he left all that was normal, all that was comfortable, and he, was, he was, uh, left the royalty uh, and came over here and lived as a captive. Now, in that time, I just, just want to point out that God was preparing Daniel even before this point. And God was using this time. And though there might have been a change in what he was learning, there was those foundational truths that were taught as a child that continued to spear him forward. But then I want to just point out that they tried to change even his identity. Verse 6, look there with me. Now among these of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. Now notice that they changed their name. It wasn't enough for these people to pull them from their homeland, but they wanted them to identify as Babylonian. They wanted them to identify with their new gods. They wanted them to uh, leave those things behind from their old land and identify with uh, the, uh, the Babylonian people. It was very common practice, actually, in, in this time period. If you look in Genesis chapter 41 and verse 45, we see Joseph, when he was serving Pharaoh, his name was, uh, was changed to Zephath-Paneah. Uh, and so we see that even then, that it was common for names to be changed. And so this was a common thing as well. So Daniel and his friends were given a name change. I want to point out something, though, that names have meanings. And it's particularly in this time, names had meanings. And, and if you look at the, na- the names of the, the Hebrew names that they were given, in verse 6, there's Dan- Daniel, last two letters are E-L. Hananiah, last three letters are I-A-H. Mishael, last two letters are E-L. And Azariah, which last three letters are I-A-H. So we have two of them that, uh, that have the last two letters ending with E-L. That is short for Elohim, which is a name of God. It's the very first name we come across in Genesis chapter 1, uh, where it refers to the Lord. And so the Lord's name uh, was in their name. Man, that's a great reminder. And then the next two, they end with I-A-H, and this is short for Yahweh. This is another spelling that, that was shortened to include in their name to remind them of who God is. When they just said their name, Daniel, they were, uh, they were saying something that, uh, that would remind them of a truth of God. For example, Daniel means, God is my judge. And so his life must always be an open book to God. 
Because God knows. God is, not, uh, God is not confused. He knows what goes on in our life. The Bible says in Numbers that there is nothing secret or hidden. God knows it all. And so his name was changed to Belteshazzar, which I might point out is different if you've read through the book of Daniel than Belshazzar. There's Belteshazzar and Belshazzar. So his name was Belteshazzar. The, the word Bel is identified with Marduk, who was the head of the Babylonian gods. He was the sun god, and he was believed to be all-powerful. The Jews, in, in often different scripts, they called him uh, Merodach. And this Babylonian name meant worshiper of Baal. No longer was Daniel then identified in the Babylonian realm as a worshiper of, of God. No longer was God as my judge, but now they said, listen, you are now worshiper of Baal. We've changed your name. We're changing your identity. Leave that stuff behind you. Then there was Hananiah. Hananiah means God is gracious. This, is, this name is a constant reminder of God's mercy and grace. Can you imagine just saying your name? You'd be reminded that God is good. Hananiah. God is gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means command of Aku. Aku was the moon god, one of the many gods that was worshipped in uh, Babylon during this time. And so uh, remember that Shadrach was changed. So uh, from God is gracious to basically command of Aku. I'm under his command. Mishael means who is like God. But Meshach means who is as Aku is. So instead of how great is our uh, as Jehovah or how great is the God that we serve, now we see that who is as Aku, the moon God, is. Azariah, the last one, he says, the Lord is my help. And they changed his name to Abednego. It means servant of Nebo or Nego. May I just say that this was a huge thing. For them to change their identity, they were trying to change not just where they came from, what they ate, or anything of those, what they were learned, but now they were trying to change who they identified with. And listen, where is your identity today? You know, I'm thankful that as, as, a, as a man I can identify with the Lord. He's my Savior. And a matter of fact, I find my identity in Him because the, God says that, uh, that He is the one who has made me His Son, and so I'm made in His image. But I want to just mention something very quickly as we look at their attempt to change these names. So, for example, Hananiah went from God is gracious to the command of Aku, the moon god. And the moon god is a god that has been around for a while, obviously. And matter of fact, it's still very prominent today. When Muhammad was just a boy, uh, his family worshipped many gods, but their favorite was Allah, who was the moon god. And if you look closely at the symbols of Islam today, you will still see the use of the crescent. This is a throwback to the origin of the beliefs of Muhammad. And let me just say, he murdered to advance his belief that Allah was the true God. Let me just say very boldly and very plainly, we do not worship Allah. It is not the same God. Allah is not the, the God of the Bible. Allah is a God of, of Babylon that, uh, that was invented by man. And um, the history may go fur even further back than that. But listen, it was a made-up God. Today we serve the one true God of the Bible. And today as believers, let me just say that the world wants you to believe that, listen, we all serve the same God and so it's all okay because we're all connected. But let me just say that, that we don't serve Allah. We serve Jesus Christ here. 
He is, he is the Son of God. There's God the Father, Jesus Christ, and then there's the Holy Spirit. These three are one. They're the Trinity in God today, and that's the one we serve. And we worship Him together in spirit and truth, according to John 4. And so as, as a church, as we come together and you hear someone say, well, it's all the same God, let me just say, it's not. It's different. And, they will, and matter of fact, I know we've have, we have soldiers in our church that have been in Iraq and Afghanistan, and they've seen uh, some of the things that have gone on in the name of, of Allah. And let me just say that they don't serve the same God that we serve today. We're facing incredible amounts of change in our nation. We're facing things that seem uh, like, are, is there ever any going back? And many of us, our hearts grow fearful. Some of us, our hearts grieve because things seem to change too fast. They change too much. Maybe just the change seems ludicrous. And maybe you feel overwhelmed by all that's going through. And let me just say that I'm thankful that we serve a God who never changes. And, and let me just share a couple of verses with you to remind you of this truth. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8. He says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. I'm thankful that Jesus is the one that we can serve today. He is the faithful God. He is the one that we can serve. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. He says, for I am the Lord. I change not. And so we, we see these great promises of God. I think of Titus 1, 2 that reminds us that God's word is the same, that he is faithful. We can trust him because God is the same today. We may be facing change, but we can put our faith in this, that God is the rock that we need in our life. Listen, you may feel overwhelmed. Like the psalmist, he said, Lord, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. And you may feel like, man, the winds of change and things are around me are going too fast, but let me just point you back to the Lord and just say, put your faith and your hope in Him. There's a warning given to those who meddle with change, as the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 21. It says, My son, fear, fear thou the Lord and the King. Meddle not with them that are given to change. Just be careful. I urge you today, dedicate yourself to the unchanging God. We may be facing uncertain times, but we serve a certain God. We may be facing times where it feels like the, now the pressure is intense, but I'm thankful that we have a God who says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so David knew, or excuse me, Daniel knew this God. Daniel knew that God is the same yesterday, today, forever. He knew that the word never changes. And so there was a time then in this chapter, as we read here, that his faith would be tested. Yours will be too. And, and so God wanted him to be able to stand firm with courage. Courage is lacking at times in, in today's world. But it was lacking in Daniel's day. What an incredible opportunity God has given us today to boldly stand when no one else will. I remind you, Paul said that having done all this, stand, that we can stand because of the armor of the Lord. We can stand in His power and His strength today. And so I encourage you to take courage, take strength. Like, like uh, God told uh, Joshua as he was beginning to enter into that promised land, he says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of great courage. And so God instructs us and gives us this incredible picture of Daniel's courage here. And the very first area, he says, is courageously remain pure. The king made a decree, was literally, presumably, to win these men unto himself and to give them all the advantages they needed to become the most they could. 
They were to eat the same things that the king would eat. They would enjoy the same drinks that the king would drink. They, they enjoyed all of these things. This was not table scraps. Rather, they would be offered the same incredible meals, the same steak, filet mignon, or whatever your favorite is. What's your favorite meal? Anybody, anybody like something really good? Don't say hot dogs. All the kids say, we love hot dogs, macaroni and cheese. Well, it wasn't hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. It was some of the best, finest fare in all the land. Remember, we're dealing with Babylon. Babylon was, one of the, was the greatest nation at the time, and the king knew how to eat. And so he offered this to everyone. In verse number 5, it says, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meats. And so he wanted them for three years to eat this meat, to, to study, to, to grow in, into the Babylonians he wanted them to be, to be wise counselors. And so for three years he wanted them to do this. So what's the big deal? I mean, it's meat. I'm, praise the Lord. How many, of you, how many of you love meat? Amen? And I, all the vegans and the vegetarians here are saying, oh, no. But really, think about the importance of this, of this situation. The king of Babylon believed that eating meat and drinking wine that was offered to his God would bring him good fortune and victory on the battlefield. And so literally, they went from the slaughterhouse to the pagan house to the king's house in that order. And so this king would, would bring this in, he would offer it to his false god, and he would bring it in, and then they would consume it, and he thought, man, this is my lucky meat. Amen. I, I like that thought. But there was, this is my lucky meat. It makes me fortunate on the battlefield. It's great for me. And, and I, I, this, is, this is what, I, this, is, this is obviously is going to be good for these guys. It's been offered to these idols. And so it's going to be good for them. And if it's good for me, it's good for them. But there's a problem for Daniel. Firstly, the simple one is that in this would be all kinds of unclean meat. And there were strict dietary laws for the children of Israel. Leviticus 11, verse 7 says, And the swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean unto you. And so, obviously, if there was any pig on the table, they couldn't eat that. How many of you had bacon this morning? Amen. Someone say amens out there. Amen. So, so you were, you'd be in trouble. You were eating from the king's table. And so they couldn't, he couldn't have that. But it wasn't just unclean meats. The problem was is that if he was to partake of this meat, it would be the same as devoting himself to this strange God. And God's very clear concerning who he is. Exodus chapter 20, verse 33 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You see, God's very clear. He says, listen, this is my word. This is my will. This is what you need, to, you need to be. And so Daniel and his friends, in verse number 8, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. He knew what was coming. He knew he was coming in there. And they said, guys, I've got great news for you. You're going to eat from the king's table. And Daniel, in the back of his mind, said, not me. You can do what you want to do, but I'm not going to do this. And there were other like-minded young men. Uh, these, these three young men who were with him and said, listen, we're not going to defile ourselves either. And they banded together and say, what are we going to do? He, Daniel said, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I've purposed. I will not eat of the king's meat. This is a little thing. But God used this little thing 
to prove Daniel's dedication in his life. So that later down the line, when the big things came, the lion's den moments, when the, the fiery furnace moments came, that they knew that their God who watched over them in the beginning stages are still here today. I'm thankful that God gives us these times of testings and these times where we can trust Him and know that He's with us because as Daniel went through a time of testing, we see that God did tremendous things in building up His faith and making Him all that God wanted Him to be. There was a dilemma Let me point something out. Verse number 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. You know, it's, it's so unique that God chose to do this. He was already, before Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, he had already purposed and God had already began to plant in the heart of that prince of the eunuchs a favor. A love for Daniel and his three friends. And so we see mercy that's extended here. And, and I just can't help but say that Daniel and his three friends uh, would, would, uh, are the recipients of God's mercy in this situation. And even though they didn't know what was going on in the background, and there's going to be times where God is at work and we don't even know it. There's going to be times where we've got a testing or a trial coming up and we don't know when that, what, what's going on in the background, but we can still trust God. And God was at work in this, this eunuch's life and he was at work saying, listen, I want you to love and encourage Daniel and his three friends. And so God is faithful even in this situation. And in this time of testing, God was still faithful. And so this time of testing, Daniel proposed that he and his three friends would eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days. 10 days. Now, how many of you love diets? I didn't see very many hands. I like seafood diets. Amen? Eat what I see, I eat. That's my favorite kind of diet. If I see it, I eat it. I, you know, I, it's, I find it hard sometimes to stick on a diet unless everyone in the family is on the diet. Amen? Anybody tried to diet without your spouse involved? That's kind of tough. It doesn't happen. Is that what you said? It doesn't happen. He's sitting there eating a big old fat steak and you've got your, your salad right in front of you. And you're like, how is this fair? This, this doesn't work right. Something's wrong. And, you know, and so Daniel and his friends, imagine if you will, that there wasn't just four of them. There was literally, uh, there was literally uh, hundreds of these young men who were in the banqueting hall and laid before them this incredible feast of food. How many of you are hungry right now? Amen. Hurry up, preacher. We're ready to go home and eat. And, and all of this food and the incredible smells and all of this stuff was before them. And, and here was Daniel and his friends and, they, and, and, and God says, eat vegetables. This was a time of testing. Would they courageously stand or would they fall by the wayside? Listen, they were away from their family. No one would know. They were young. They could pass it off as just the innocence of youth. No one would care. They were expected to do what they were told anyway, so obviously they could could obey these in authority over them. All of these things and many others worked against them, but they remained firm in their convictions to keep themselves for the Lord. In this day, we're facing a time where we need to courageously but respectfully speak the truth in love. Christian, we must remain pure, so don't defile yourself with the king's meat. Don't give in to looking at, participating in, or being a part of the world's devices. I remind you that God is calling you and I to live in this day and age. 
but there will be a time of testing. God will call you to endure. Will you live for Christ or will you fall? But let me just encourage you. You may be in the middle of this testing. Let me just share with you the end of the story here. Verse 17. It says in verse 17, And for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Verse 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. You see, God poured out His favorable compassion upon Daniel, upon His three friends, and we saw them just grow exponentially. Now, this wasn't just growing in favor a little bit, but greatly. First off, there's a growth in wisdom. We need wisdom today. And let me just say that as Christians, we need wisdom. If we're going to walk through a trial, we've got to ask God for wisdom. James said this, that my brethren count it all joy when you fall into adverse temptations. But then he says in verse number 5, he says, In the middle of your trials, if any of you lack wisdom, let any man ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And so we see that God is the giver of wisdom today. Are you going through a trial today? Ask God for wisdom. Ask God to lead you. Ask God to guide you. Ask God to be the one that, that, that grows you in this trial. Because listen, He wants to do that in your life. He wants to bring you up in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In our trials, we know that He is the guide that we need to help us seek a way out. So ask boldly for wisdom. You don't have to say, God, if it be your will, I'd like to have wisdom. No, no, no. His will is for you to have wisdom. Just ask boldly. Come boldly into the throne of grace that you may find His mercy and His help in your time of need. And so today I urge you, ask, ask for wisdom. And the Proverbs says it like this in Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. He says, seek after it, church. Make sure that, that as you're growing in the Lord, you grow in wisdom. We need it. Growing in favor as well. We saw them growing in favor. We see this miraculously in verse number 9. We saw this even in verse number 17 through 21, how that they continued uh, to grow in favor. And there were times in his ministry where he grew to be the third in the kingdom, from just a a captive in Babylon to the third in the kingdom. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 3 said that he had an excellent spirit. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Let me just say that God blessed Daniel richly. But I believe it all started with chapter 1. It all started way back here when Daniel said, I will not, I purpose in my heart not to defile myself. You see, in that private little area, in that closet of his heart and in his life, he said, Lord, I'm going to determine right here, I'm going to do right no matter what everybody else does. Little did he know he'd have three friends join him. But I believe that Daniel said, listen, God, right here, right now, I'm living for Jesus. And today, that's what we need. Let me just say that outside of Jesus Christ, Daniel's spirit uh, is, is so much like Christ that only one other person besides Daniel had an excellent spirit, and that was Joseph. And maybe you're an ex- ex- uh, executive or administrator today, and let me just say that you're in good company because Joseph and, and Daniel were both executives. They were both people who were in administration, and God blessed them, and they had an excellent spirit, and God used their ministry greatly. How many of you remember Paul Harvey? 
Okay, any young people younger than 30 know who Paul Harvey was? All right, you missed one of the greatest blessings of your life. I remember I'd be in the truck with my dad and we'd be on the way to a job site and, and as we're going to a job site, WBAP would be blaring on the radio. That was News Talk Radio in Dallas, Texas and here comes Paul Harvey. And this is the rest of the story. And you'd hear him at the end, he'd sign off with, good day, almost every time. I just love to hear that voice. I could never emulate it, but it was just, just incredible. He was a great storyteller. And, and young people, if you don't know who he is, you need to just Google Paul, Paul Harvey on YouTube and listen to his stories. But I want to share a story from Paul Harvey. He said, one Sunday, summer morning, as Ray Blankenship was preparing his breakfast, he gazed out the window and saw a small girl being swept along in the rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his Andover, Ohio home. Blankenship knew that the farther downstream, the ditch disappeared with a roar underneath a road and then emptied into the main culvert. Ray dashed out the door, raced along the ditch, trying to get ahead of the floundering girl, and then he hurled himself into the deep, churning water. Blankenship surfaced and was able to grab the child's arm. They tumbled end over end within about three feet of the yawning culvert. Finally, Ray's hand found something, possibly a rock, protruding from one bank, and he clung desperately. But the tremendous force of the water tried to tear him and the child away. And he thought, if I can just hang on until help comes. But he did better than that. By the time the fire department or the rescuers arrived, Blankenship had pulled the little girl to safety. They were both treated for shock. And on April 12, 1989... Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard's Silver Life-Saving Medal. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. Because this award is especially fitting because of the selfless sacrifice of this person. Because he put himself at such great risk, more risk than most anyone else, because he couldn't even swim. He jumped in. And he said, Lord, or he says, I'm just going to go after this girl. I'm going to save her. I don't know who she is. I don't care who she is, but I'm going to sacrifice myself if possible so that I could save this little lady. And in this moment, I remind you that in, when you may be hearing the story of Daniel for the first time. You may be hearing it for the hundredth time. But we're reminded that there are going to be great challenges in our life. And the secret for success in life is not how to win friends and influence people. Rather, it was a choice to dedicate ourselves completely to God. To say, Lord, I surrender all. Just like Ray jumped into that ocean or that river. And he says, listen, I'm going to dedicate myself to saving this girl. And I'm going to surrender everything just so I can make sure my life is given for hers. You know, God calls us the same way. Are you that dedicated? Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. We, we, are, we learn from Paul. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, listen, are you ready to sacrifice? Are you ready to dedicate your life to Him? Are you, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from you're saying, Lord, all to Jesus I surrender? What's keeping you from saying, Lord, I trust in you completely and totally in this moment? But even before chapter 1, we find Daniel... In Jerusalem, learning to put his faith in the Lord. And so before you can ever dedicate yourself to the Lord, you must first come to Calvary. You see, because our journey of faith must begin at the cross. 
All who desire to dedicate themselves to God must first put their faith in God as their Savior. And I tell you, I urge you right now to call out to Jesus in faith and confess your sins to Him and to call and, and confess that He is Lord and ask Him for, your, for salvation today. His promise is that salvation is given to all that call upon Him.